G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are recapping the week that was and also previewing the trade deadline week and everything you need to do to get yourself ready. Let's go! Jordan, open! Chicago with the lead! Not a game, we talking about practice. LeBron James with no regard for human life. AB basketball! Back out to Allen, his three-pointer, bang! Hurry for three, wow! Unbelievable, making it rain in New York. We the North are now we the champions. Not the destination, this is the journey. G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. Uh, coming uh, a day later than normal with our weekly recap, but I feel all right with that because this week, obviously, we're not going to be talking too much in terms of the waiver wire, so uh, we'll touch on that a bit closer to the time where we talk about uh, what we are doing with the trade deadline uh, coming at the end of this week. Um, yesterday, instead of the weekly recap, which was normally on a Sunday night, Monday morning, um, we did the trade review of the Kyrie Irving deal, which uh, I woke up this morning and there were still maybe some question marks whether or not it was finalized and if there was going to be a third team. It looks like it has been confirmed now. It is the original deal that we did discuss on the show yesterday. So if you want to know my thoughts in detail on that trade, who are the biggest winners, who are the biggest losers, if there are any ads or drops uh, for your league, Go and check that one out. We'll leave a little link up to the top here. But uh, today we're going to be recapping, giving out our awards like we always do each week, but also going into a bit more of a deep dive into how to prepare for the uh, NBA trade deadline for your fantasy leagues. If there's anyone that we need to be stashing, uh, if they are available, if there's anyone we need to be watching and maybe being ready to pull the trigger on really quickly, who are in the trade rumors and how is it going to affect us as fantasy basketball managers? So let's uh, let's get stuck into it. We'll start off, obviously, with our, uh, our awards here. So kicking it off with this one. Yes, our sweet, sweet fantasy basketball award for the second week in a row. The first ever back-to-back winner of this award goes to Damian Lillard. Now, Dame Dollar, he uh, was a late winner of this award last week um, for the first time this season, and he's backed it up with another week of just incredible stats. The last week, he had four games, 38 points, 4.5 threes, 4.5 rebounds, nearly seven assists, 0.3 steals and 0.3 blocks is not the best, but 50 percent from the field and 98% from the free throw line on 13 attempts with less than two turnovers per game. Just again, massive, massive week from Damian Lillard and he is the number one ranked player over the last two weeks, the fourth ranked player over the last month, fifth over the last two months, months and now eighth on the season. So he is absolutely flying at the moment and um, after his calf injuries that had him sort of uh, missing time at the start of the year. He is surging right now and right back up into that mix where we've seen Damian Lillard in the past, sort of that top seven and eight uh, that he's done in his prime. So he's still doing basically pretty much career high numbers at the moment on the season, 31 points, four, three, seven assists, uh, doing it efficiently, nearly 47% from the field, 91% from the free throw line on nine attempts per game, uh, nearly a steal per game, which is not something that he obviously does very much of. So, um, 
Yeah, just an incredible season so far for Damian Lillard. And like we said, the last two months, he's top five. Last month, he's fourth. Last two weeks, he's the number one player in fantasy. So trending in the right direction. I don't see anything really coming massive over his way to disrupt that. So... I guess the the points obviously are, are crazy right now. He's had three forty point games in the last week, forty two, forty two, forty, all with five threes. You know, just absolutely incredible. Um, the free throw volume. You know, the first game had seventeen free throws, sixteen free throws, eleven free throws, eight free throws. hundred uh, percent, all of those games except for the game against Memphis, but even that was ninety four percent from the line. So. He is absolutely carrying your free throw percentage, your points, your threes, and doing well in assists as well. So he is uh, he's currently riding very, very hot over these last couple of weeks. And if you have him on your team, I'm sure you're feeling pretty bloody good about yourself if you manage to stick through those early sort of hiccups with the calves and stuff earlier in the season. I had him, I think, uh, from the top of my head without looking at my rankings, uh, I think I had him at 10 or 11 when the season started. He's exceeding my expectations so far, uh, but we're still pretty high on him and confident he could get back after a down year last year, and obviously we are seeing that. So uh, putting up numbers higher than when he was the third-ranked player in 2019-20 season, uh, which, again, like we said, puts him at the eighth-ranked player at the moment. So pretty pretty incredible stuff. So uh, shout-out to you, Dame Dollar, for the first-ever back-to-back winner of this award. Um, no one else has done it so far this season. We've had multiple winners. No one's done it back-to-back yet until now, where Damian Lillard has taken out the award. The next one here... La, 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 la. Yes, the Fantasy Basketball Loser Award uh, goes this week to Tyrese Maxey, who has uh, has been disappointing, uh, to say the least, since coming back from his uh, injury. He was a guy that was going sometimes in the top 50, top 60 players in the drafts earlier in the season. Now, obviously, the injury did not help him, but he's been back now. His first game back was on the 30th of December. We're in the you know second week of February now, and whilst he's had some games here and there, he's had a 30-point game, a 32, a 27, a 25-point game, it's exactly what I worried about with Tyrese Maxey when he when he was being drafted at those heights. That he is just he's an empty points and threes guy. Um, coming back from the injury in the last week, fourteen points, one threes, one point five rebounds, two assists, half a steal, point three blocks, forty two percent from the field goal percentage. That's the big one. Only half a turnover, shooting eighty three percent from the free throw line. So. The biggest thing here to me is the 42% from the field. Last season, uh, he was shoot, he shot 48.5% from the field. And when James Harden got traded over, that increased actually to above 50%. Um, now, with James Harden's arrival, I was very worried about him as his access to those assists. Small glitch in the recording there. But um, as I was saying, with James Harden uh, coming over, I was very worried about the usage for Tyrese Maxey. I was very worried about the assist potential for Tyrese Maxey. And if if the field goal percentage drops even just a little bit from his awesome 50-plus percent, even more than his sort of 48% on the season last year, 
combine that with the less opportunity for those assists and points and threes with uh, Harden coming along. I saw massive sort of scope for regression and obviously he came back in those preseason games and dominated them and everyone got very excited. But this is basically what I expected from him this season, maybe even a little bit worse. On the whole season, he's the 109th ranked player. Now you could argue that some of that obviously has been when he was limited back. So, But I, I don't know if I view him as a top 100 guy anymore. He is He's obviously has a place in your fantasy roster, of course. He's a he's a 20-plus points-per-game scorer, but he just offers such little else that the threes are, are okay, the rebounds are very low, no steals, no blocks, and the free-throw percentage, you know, it's at 80%, so maybe you could argue that that comes up and helps his value out a little bit, but, you know, 0.8 steals, it's not really the, the best, you know, 3.7 assists, you could even argue that that is maybe a little bit high in the last month. It's at 3.1 as opposed to 3.7, so probably closer to 3 than 4 in my opinion. Um, so again, he's someone that he just doesn't do a whole lot else outside of score, hit threes with maybe a tiny little bit of an assist here and there, um, and free throws is just kind of average it's not it's not helping you a whole lot it's not hurting you but it's but it's definitely not helping a bunch so for me he is someone that was supremely overvalued and was on my bus video to start the season now what do we do about him now so I think that if there's anyone in your league who still values him anywhere close to that top 75 top 80 range and you can you can get that kind of value back I probably would take that and pull the trigger if it's something like around that close to the top 90, top 100 range, I think you probably stick it out with a player like Tyrese Maxey and he has the ability to turn it on on any given day. So I think um, that's where I would draw the line. Sort of top 80 I would consider. Outside of that, it probably wouldn't move the needle for me. But I am worried about him and uh, and basically his role in this team and behind the usage that is Joel Embiid who leads the league and a James Harden who obviously is the orchestrator and the assist guy on this team. It just leaves not a whole lot for, for Tyrese Maxey to do when he isn't a big steals, blocks, rebound guy. Um, and that field goal percentage obviously has come down a fair way uh, since last season. On the, on the season so far, 45% versus 48.5% last year. Again, it's enough to really bring his value down. Even though he is scoring more than he did last year, he's um, nearly oh, more than 50 spots in ranking lower than what he was last season. So all those other things have definitely taken a hit to his value. So that's sort of where I am with him. Obviously, a very disappointing last week with four games and still uh, did not manage to crack the uh, the top 150 in totals and outside the top 200 in a per game. So disappointing stuff for Tyrese Maxey. And again, I am concerned. Hopefully, if you took my advice, he's not on your fantasy roster. But if, if he is, it'll be better than this, obviously. But... You know, I would encourage if there is that um, opportunity to t- trade him for a top 75 guy, I would look to explore that, uh, that, that trade value. Every day a star is born, and today we are talking about uh, my Australian friend, Josh Giddy here. He is a guy that, obviously, th- these uh, awards I, I kind of use as an opportunity to highlight some some younger players that are performing really, really well and discuss their dynasty value, but... 
Josh Giddy has, in the last week, put up top 30 value. Um, he's played three games, and in those games, 19 points, 1.33s, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 2.3 steals is enormous, 0.7 blocks, 53% from the field, and 50% from the free throw line, still with over three turnovers. So the free throws and turnovers obviously hurting you a bit there, but 2.7 steals is enormous. It's probably, it's, or it most definitely is an outlier. He's averaging... Uh, 0.8 uh, steals on the season. He's had two games in the last three um, weeks with three steals, but that is encouraging, and we do know that steals have the ability to fluctuate, obviously, week to week. The thing I want to highlight here with Josh Giddy is, on the season, he is a he's the 93rd ranked player in nine-category setting. I think... It's always tricky with these kind of a guys to ascribe a value based on their nine category ranking because what I really like about Josh Giddy and, and where I think he gets a big boost in Dynasty Leagues is more so, and I've, I've talked about this, maybe it's an Australian thing, I don't know, but I've talked about this with Ben Simmons and the uniqueness of his stat set and the, the value of getting someone who's really good in rebounds and really good in assists at the same time, is quite difficult to find, um, especially in a point guard eligible player. So uh, you find in some big guys, like obviously a Jokic, uh, a Bam before Kyle Lowry got there, uh, Demonte Sabonis, some of these big guys can do it. It's difficult to find it in your point guard. So someone like a Ben Simmons in the past, obviously not doing as well this season, but Josh Giddy falls into that umbrella. Um, and then also you've got some wings, you know, LeBron James, uh, Kevin Durant, all these kind of guys are, are better at those. But a point guard eligible player allows him to be a very unique and valuable source of uh, contribution in your dynasty team. So, And he fits a lot of different builds. So... He could be someone that fits in sort of to your punt threes and punt free throw percentage build. So if you've got a a dynasty team that's centered around a lot of big guys and um, you've already got the steals and blocks and all those kind of things sorted from that point of view, you need a big bunch of assists. He doesn't hurt your field goal percentage uh, uh, um, this season so far, 49% from the field, which is a huge improvement from last year where he was... um, where was he last year? 42%. So that's an excellent start for him. Um, and, and obviously, if you're punting the, the threes, even though he does hit you one three per game, usually for your point guard, you want a little bit more than that. And he gives you solid rebounds. The points are starting to come up as well. Um, hopefully, in that big man-centric team, your turnover's a bit low. But then again, it's not the, the end of the world uh, with that sort of a thing. So I find him an extremely valuable player. As soon as you start to play around with your punt strategy, you could also go into that sort of punt blocks and, and small build kind of a guy. And, and he, he could be someone that if you wanted to punt the blocks but still salvage some rebounds, he's very helpful in that situation. So if you've got a few of those big guys like a Sabonis um, in your team, and you've, you're really you're strong in rebounds, but you're you're poor in blocks. That can be a differentiator for your team, where you're perhaps you are going up against some other punt field goal percentage or, or punt uh, big man stats teams. You've at least got that rebound advantage over them without sacrificing the assists, without sacrificing uh, a big field goal percentage drops as well. So for me, he's an extremely versatile player when it comes to your team's uh, construction. So. The way I do value him, I see him as a top 40 dynasty asset. He is still staggeringly only 20 years old. He is younger than a lot of the rookies are this season. Um, 
So he has a long, long uh, career ahead of him. Uh, I remember talking to Josh Lloyd in the preseason about uh, comparing him to some of the other guys in this rookie class, Dyson Daniels specifically. And I think we both agreed that Josh Giddy has the highest upside with a bunch of those guys. It will be interesting to see how the rebounding numbers specifically um, you know, are affected with a player like Chet Holmgren coming to this team. That is something that I could see taking a decent size hit. Obviously, this OKC team is not the most star-studded of front courts, so they don't have the best big guys on their lineups at the moment. So it is uh, something that we can see that those rebounds taking a hit, but I still think that he'll be close to that six or six or seven rebounds per game kind of a mark. And again, for your point guard, that's pretty pretty decent. Um, and he's still managed to keep up close to six assists, even with Shea on the roster, and if we just look at the last, uh, you know, on the season, it's 93, but he started the season really, really slow, but in the last uh, little while, the last three months, 75th, the last two months, 51st, last month, 53rd, and obviously the last week, he's top 30, so um, the biggest thing here that, that is changing is his field goal percentage is actually getting a lot better, his free throw percentages um, you know, have been up and down, but again, low attempts, but on the season, 48%. The last two months, 52%. The last three months, 50%. So if he can go from a guy who was very much hurting your field goal percentage last season to being an above 50% field goal guy, great rebounds, great assists. Um, you know, he's getting close to a steal per game in that time as well. Um, that can be extremely, extremely valuable. And again, a very, very unique kind of player. And as soon as you start to, to punt those threes, he is someone that soars up into that top 30, top 40 range. And, um, yeah, and, and just, just again, highlighting those assists. They're hard to come by. 20 years old. He's going to be doing it for the next 10-plus seasons, in my opinion. So he, he he's probably, actually, you know, reflecting, he's probably closer to a top 30 kind of a value in my eyes just for the uniqueness of his ability, um, his young age, and the fact that I think that, He's just going to be doing this for a long time. Um, so Josh Giddy, he's a guy that I've got in a couple of dynasty leagues. Uh, hard to get with a lot of my mates and the um, the, the propensity for people to uh, value those Aussies a little bit higher. He's he's obviously held in high regard in the Australian leagues, uh, rightly or wrongly, but he is a guy that I think that has an extremely high ceiling when it comes to dynasty leagues. So let's uh, that'll do it for the awards now, guys. We'll move on to some hot topics and breaking news now. A um, couple of things just want to touch on really quickly before we get to the trade deadline. The first thing, obviously, is the Kyrie Irving trade finalized today. If you want my full thoughts on that, go and check out the video um, most recent on uh, the YouTube uh, channel or scroll back on the podcast platform that you're listening to. Um, obviously, I think to, to give it a little sneak preview, there's um, a few winners and losers, but I don't know if there's a, a must-add player from the list of, of guys moved or guys that are staying and increasing value. So for the most part, I think um, in my leagues, I haven't done anything with, with that news. I've, I've kind of just held pat and held on to my ads so far for this week. Um, but we'll get stuck into that a bit more uh, in a second. And the next thing is that Steph Curry is out multiple weeks with a uh, a leg injury. They haven't, uh, as far as I'm aware, and correct me if I'm wrong or if news comes out after I record this, they haven't confirmed what the leg injury is thus far. But it, upon the footage, it looked pretty awkward. Um, it was a contact injury, which sometimes we can see as a good thing. Those non-contact injuries are often uh, the more serious and sinister injuries there are a lot of the times where your ACLs happen. So 
Look, it, it doesn't it doesn't look good. Again, multiple weeks at this stage of the season is not good. Fantasy basketball uh, playoffs are fast approaching. It could be something where they just may be holding him out until after the uh, the All Star break. A lot of the times, where that's when we see you know players who are out, they just hold them out through the All Star break to give them that extra rest. It looks like he won't be playing the All Star game, um, so. We'll sort of just have to wait and see. I think, obviously, Jordan Poole is the the big winner here. Now, Poole sometimes does struggle even when Steph is out of the lineups, but that's, again, sometimes a little bit misleading in terms of the rankings. Uh, He is someone that will definitely see an increase to his points, an increase to his threes, an increase to his assists as well. But you might also start to see the efficiency fail a little bit. So um, just just be... wary that the field goal percentage may hurt. And a lot of you, uh, hopefully, if you've got Jordan Poole on your team, you are sort of ready to take that on board. He's obviously shooting less than 44% for the season. It's funny, though. You look at a player like Jordan Poole, he's putting up 20 points, four assists, two and a half threes, um, shooting 86% from the free throw line on nearly five attempts. But he is still outside the top 150 for the season. Um, Again, it's, it's probably a limitation of rankings in terms of how to properly evaluate a player. He suffers from the higher turnovers, the extremely low blocks and rebounds, uh, less than a steal per game. So kind of a similar story to a, a Tyrese Maxey. I would definitely value Poole higher than I would a Tyrese Maxey just because the assists I'm more confident in, the free throws on uh, probably more elite percentages and a higher volume I have more confidence in. And I think that... Um, Personally, I just think he's a, a bit of a better player. Uh, that might be a hot take, but and I think that the the value of his turnovers or the negative values of his turnovers is sometimes overinflated. So for me, he's definitely a top seventy-five kind of guy uh, that I would be value him as, especially if I am punting the field goal percentage and the blocks. He really soars up the rankings in that kind of a build. So for me, he is the big winner of this. Obviously, you're going to get some some boost to some guys like Wiggins and Clay as well. Um, but I think Jordan Poole is going to be the guy that gets the biggest value boost. But fingers crossed that Steph Curry is back in time for your fantasy playoffs. But I might um I'd be I'd be very uh, tuned into the news and and sort of seeing what's going on there because. Yeah, he might actually, unfortunately, miss some of our fantasy playoffs, depending on when those uh, playoffs are for your league. So let's uh, let's move on to our last topic. Again, we won't be covering the waiver wire today because we're talking about the trade deadline. And straight off the top here, my first recommendation for everybody is to hold your ads until the trade deadline. This is not the week for us to be doing streaming or short-term ads for our fantasy basketball teams. The, the trade deadline is a time where obviously a lot of players move teams, value gets created. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't, but a lot of the times there are big guys who are huge winners after the trade deadline. And if you've used up all your trades or ads, I should say, um, then you're not going to be able to capitalize on this sort of, uh, sort of a deal, save your fab budgets and all those kind of things, um, to be used at this time after the trade deadline goes down. So, we're not going to talk about must-ads, maybe-ads, drops, because I think this is the week where you just hold off until that trade deadline comes and goes um, and be ready to, to jump on a play if you see the value spike. So for, for these guys, we're going to talk about just briefly, again, 
A lot of rumours. It's it's hard to act before the trade deadline actually comes, but there are a few guys in the rumour mill that are potentially going to be dealt, and I think that there are some guys on this list that I think are worth stashing and holding on to in anticipation that if they are moved or if players are moved around them, that they will get a decent jump in value. So... The guys that I've sort of been um, hearing some rumors, we'll go through the guys that are in the rumors and then the stash will play a second. So a lot of rumors about Bones Highland being traded from the Denver Nuggets. This one, I believe, I actually think that this will happen. He's sort of been uh, benched and picked up a couple of um, DNP CDs. I think that there's been public conversations about you know him wanting a bigger role and that not sort of being uh, something that they want on that team. I think Jamal Murray's come out and said some things on Twitter. So it seems like his time in Denver is done, which is very interesting. He's a... Is it is his second year? Yeah, second year in the NBA. At the moment, he's putting up... Um, you know, in less than 20 minutes, 12 points, uh, three assists, 2.23s, uh, doing it less than 40% from the field. So the field goal percentage is quite a, a sting there, over 86% from the free throw line. I think that there's tremendous upside with a Bones Highland if he gets to the right situation. And you would have to think that being a second-year guy, the team that does trade for him um, you know, it won't be a team like the Denver Nuggets, who are obviously a championship contending team. So I would hedge my bets that when he is traded or if he is traded, he's going to go to a situation where there's more opportunity for him for minutes, more opportunity for him to get usage and perhaps to be a centerpiece of a rebuilding team. So I am very much if, and, and again, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, if Bones Highland is available on your waiver wire for whatever reason, I think he is rostered in a lot of... Uh, actually, hold on. 24% uh, owned according to Basketball Monster. So he's available in a lot of situations. So if he is on your waiver wire, he is a guy that I would absolutely be okay using an ad early in the week before the trade deadline. And I, I would consider him a must-add player in the chance that he is traded to a team where he gets a more featured role. So he would actually be my number one stash, uh, stash target uh, before the trade deadline and someone that I would use a an add-on now before the trade deadline. Now, depending on, obviously, the caveat here is how many ads you have per week. The standard is usually four. So I would usually like to keep at least two to three for the trade deadline. But if you've got four and you use one of them now on Bones, I think that's still okay. You've still got three left over because I think that my prediction, again, it's very much a guess at this point because we don't know what's coming back or where he's going. Very much a lot up in the air. But my prediction at this stage is that Bones Highland could be the biggest winner from a fantasy basketball point of view um, as it stands right now. Uh, because I'm predicting that he will be traded to a team where he's going to get a bigger role. It's more than likely going to be a younger, more developing team that wants a player like Bones Highland to be uh, a building block for them for the future. You know, maybe it's a Spurs, maybe it's a Houston Rockets or a Detroit or, or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, maybe Toronto starts rebuilding or whatever the case is. I think that in that kind of a situation, he is going to be obviously getting more than his 20 minutes that he is getting on Denver at the moment, which um, obviously has been trending south recently. So I would try hold if you if you can right now. If you have him, obviously it's been bad. You're taking a bit of hurt right now. And if he's on your waiver wire, add him now. Hold for this week. If he is not moved, 
obviously then it's it's not good news you drop him. But I think that of all the guys in this rumor mill, he is the probably the most interesting to me. Um, next guy, ball guys, uh, John Collins. I'll highlight here. Oh yeah, yeah. This guy gets um. He's he's kind of like the Miles Turner equivalent for the Atlanta Hawks. He's in the trade rumors every season. It seems. Uh, even just a couple days ago, they were trying to trade him. Um, apparently, but now I think I saw a report this morning that they need to be blown away to get the trade going. So I personally, I just have no idea what they're doing with John Collins. Uh, I don't know what Atlanta Hawks are doing in general. So he's a hard guy to get a read on. I don't know who the winner or loser could potentially be here. He's the kind of a guy that you'd obviously expect some pieces to come back. So I don't think there's any stashing uh, available here. Jalen Johnson is the guy that I always keep my eye on. But even we've seen Jalen Johnson in bigger roles at stretches this season. And he hasn't delivered quite to the level that I might have expected him to so far. But again, he is a young player. But I I don't think it's worth sort of stashing a player like that or... And Anyaka Okongwu or or anyone really of that kind of a type with a John Collins uh, news. And again, who knows if he's going to be traded. So I just thought I'd throw his name out there. Uh, for the Phoenix Suns, Jay Crowder is obviously a lot of trade rumors. Hasn't played a game for the Suns so far this season. So I think if he is traded, chances are something's coming back for him. So it's probably going to hurt a lot of the guys on the Suns roster. So players like a Cam Johnson... Uh, it's probably the main one. Players maybe like a, a Damian Lee if you have him in a deeper league. Um, maybe it's you know someone that comes back and it's a it's a big guy and it hurts DeAndre Ayton. Who knows? They obviously haven't been. Uh, I probably should put DeAndre Ayton on this list as well as a guy that they obviously weren't going to resign at the the off season. So a bit up in the air with the Suns. I would expect Jay Crowder is going to be traded at the trade deadline because he hasn't played so far this season, and you might as well get something back for him. Um, but Again, probably not the most fantasy relevant in terms of where he goes or, or what comes back for him. So just touching on him. Let's talk about the Toronto Raptors. Uh, a lot up in the air with the Toronto Raptors. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of smoke, potentially a lot of fire when it comes to their trade rumors. Um, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, and Gary Trent Jr. all in the uh, trade rumors. Now, I think... The, the winner so far with OG's injury previously was a precious Achua um, as someone who is gaining a bit more uh, momentum and, and value there. So potentially he is a stash, but I'm not the biggest fan of him from like his statistical profile point of view. Um, he's just kind of always been that guy that's been a poorer field goal percentage dude for a, for a center-eligible player. He has been okay the last week. Prior to last week, he was putting up some decent stats, and he was someone that you could have add, added. And if you have him on your roster, I'd be holding on to him. He is rostered in 95% of, of leagues, according to Basketball Monster. So he's probably not available in a lot of your leagues, but look, I'd rather have a Bones Highland and take the swing there. Um... Who knows what's coming back with the Toronto Raptors. If they're getting rid of Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Juniors, they're like one of the two guys that are on their roster that play minutes that are under six foot four. So uh, maybe they just get more big guys coming back. Toronto Raptors, they love the big guys. If you're over six foot seven, six foot eight, come to the Toronto Raptors. Who knows? So a uh, lot, lot of water to go under the bridge here. OG interests me. I really rate OG Ananobi as, a, as an excellent role player. Well, I say role player. But he's, he's an amazing starter. I know I've, I've been in this discussion before. I think I compared uh, Mikael Bridges. He's not a, not a star. He's kind of a role player. But use whatever definition you like. I think he's a really, really good uh, two-way defensive 
Really good floor spacer. I think there's more offensive upside than we've seen so far with OG. You guys, if you were listening to me last season, knew that I was very big on OG and an OB breakout. The arrival of Scotty Barnes and a few injuries and COVID things interrupted OG's season last year. But this season, he has been a little bit closer to what I thought he could have been last year. And um, I'm very interested to see where he goes. Now, I'd imagine when if he does go somewhere, it's probably to like a contending team. Um, but I don't really see... I'm not worried about his value taking a dip too much. It's very much dependent on where he goes. If he does find himself... Now, he remember, he is a younger player. I mean, younger. He's 25 years old. So he could potentially still go to a team that's more on the rebuilding side of things if that does happen. Potentially, he is someone that could command a bigger role than what he has on the Raptors. So there is not necessarily only downside for him. There is potential for upside and his value to increase. But again, there's nothing really you can do about it um, so far. And again, it's really hard to predict with all these things what's coming back. So just wanted to highlight that he has been in the rumors. Um, but for the most part, Precious Achua is probably the only guy that maybe you're stashing. And again, he's rostered in a lot of leagues. So um, we'll sort of just have to wait and see. The next guy here, Jakob Pertle for the San Antonio Spurs. Obviously, very much has been in trade rumors all season. Um, out of contract with the Spurs after this year unless they extend him. And obviously, he doesn't really fit the timeline for this team. And they're very much going to be very bad to finish the year. So, Jakob Pertle, if I had to put money on it, is moved. They're asking for two first-round picks. Is that a negotiation tactics? I think so. But we'll see. Um, look... I think Jakob is a really good player. I think he's very underrated. He's a great passer for a big man. He's an excellent defender. Look, he's not the most mobile of bigs, which is something that I like in my in my centers these days, but there's not a lot of guys who are. So if you, if you can't get that kind of a player, Jakob is is an excellent sort of second choice. So I, I can see him going to a team um, that needs his services, and I still think that if a team is to trade for him, it's more than likely to trade for him as a starter. So I've said in the past, I'm not worried about him as much becoming like a bench player or having a reduced role in another team, but there is potential for his value to take a hit um, after the trade deadline if he's moved to a contending team. Say, for example, he goes to like a Dallas or something like that. Um, You know, if you've got two high usage players like a Kyrie Irving and a Luka Doncic, and especially a Luka who's taking a lot of rebounds, that could definitely hurt his value. But I still think no matter where he goes, he's going to be a starting player. He's going to have great field goal percentage. He's going to give you good blocks. Uh, His blocks are down this year at 1.1 per game. He is only averaging 26 minutes per night, but even in that time, he is a top 90 guy. And again, if you punt the free throws, he's much closer to that top 50 kind of a value. So, Pretty close to where I had him started at the end of the start of the season. Maybe a little bit disappointing just based on the minutes being lower than I expected um, at 26 per night. I thought he'd be closer to that 28 to 30 minutes per night. But it's, it's you know, roughly around where we sort of thought. I think that his value would pretty much remain fairly similar. He's a low usage guy anyway, so... Um, as long as he's getting the minutes that he needs, if he's getting that 26 plus minutes per night, I think he'll be just fine. And, uh, you know, there is even a potential for those minutes to rise and for him to become an even more valuable piece. Uh, the blocks might come back up depending on the, the team's defensive principles. I think the stash here is a, um, a Zach Collins. Although, again, who, who comes back in the trade? 
Um, I don't know how I feel about Zach Collins. He's a guy that has demonstrated good per-minute production in the past. He's going to be a bit up and down. Um, if you have him at the moment, I think you just hold him. I'd be prioritizing a Bones Highland over him if you wanted to make an ad. I think if you don't have him at the moment and you have four ads still, I'd be using one of them to get him. If you've got any fewer than that, if you've only got two or three ads left this week, I don't know if I'd bother. Um, I, I just don't think he's got quite the upside that potentially some others do think. And I think that this Spurs team down the stretch, tanking and rests and mixing and matching, experimenting with different guys, I don't know if we can just plug Zach Collins in as the 30 minutes a night starter that he would probably need to be to uh, pick up serious value from this sort of a team. He's outside the top 200 in 20, nearly 20 and a half minutes this season. So he's only sort of four and a half minutes below uh, a Yucca Pirtle. So if a Yucca Pirtle goes and he increases minutes by another five minutes per night, look, it's better, but I don't think it's going to catapult him into sort of the top 75, top 80 rankings. So, look, if you've got all four of your ads you can, and you want to add someone in preparation for the trade deadline, you could do worse than a Zach Collins, but I wouldn't necessarily be uh, going too deep into the ads to get him on my side. Um, another big man who looks like, well, I think should be traded and I think maybe could be traded, Mason Plumley for the Charlotte Hornets. The, um, the stash here is Mark Williams. I think I'd prefer to stash Mark Williams than I would a Zach Collins. I think that the writing is on the wall, at least a f- far out for me. The writing's been on the wall all season that Mark Williams should be getting minutes over him. But you've got to gotta play Mason Plumlee some minutes. You've got you to get him out there for 26, 27 minutes per night because he's a good player and he helps you win. Uh, even though the Charlotte Hornets are a terrible team and they should not really be worried about winning, um, look, I think that Mark Williams has really high upside, especially in those classic big man stats, uh, blocks, rebounds, field goal percentage. So I would absolutely be prioritizing adding him over Zach Collins. It probably, in terms of stash ability, guys, for me, would go Bones, Highland, uh, Mark Williams, Zach Collins in that order. Uh, he's 49% owned according to Basketball Monster, so he is available in a lot of leagues out there. And again, I would be using one of my four or three Three to four ads per uh, for this week to get him onto my roster and uh, and uh, and sort of see how things go through the trade deadline. It is entirely possible that the Charlotte Hornets Hornets don't trade Mason Plumlee and they just keep him there, and he stays the backup center for the rest of the season. Like that is entirely possible. It'd be really really dumb. It would be really really stupid in my opinion. But it's it's what they've done um, for a long time. So. Look, I'm, I'm just hoping logic prevails. I'm hoping that they realize that there's no point giving Mason Plumlee all of these minutes when your team's not going anywhere and you've got a guy who you gave up draft picks to make sure you, you kept on your team and, and you know he's 21 years old, has a bit of potential. You, you at least see what you have with him as a starter. But that's just me. That's just me. I'm not the, I'm not the guy running the, uh, the Charlotte Hornets at the moment. Uh, moving on to the last few guys. Eric Gordon, I think we all expect to be traded. Look, I hope he's traded for the Houston Rocket fans' sake. Um, he's got no business. Similar to a Mason Plumlee, he's got no business getting minutes on this team. He's holding up the, uh, the growth potential of a few guys like a KJ Martin and Tari Eason, who would be the stash candidates. Again, if I'm prioritizing uh, different guys... 
These ones are a little bit tougher. It's a little bit more murky. Um, Tari Eason is obviously the player with the extremely high upside. So, look, if you if upside's your thing and you know potential payout is your thing, then he is probably right up there with Bones. I still have Bones ahead of him, um, but he's probably the next guy underneath that. Uh, probably same kind of pegging level as a Mark Williams, but. I, for some reason, well, not for some reason, because I've seen it in the in games where you know Eric Gordon does miss. That KJ Martin is the guy that's going to get the boost to minutes. Um, as much as we want Tari Eason to be out there, I think that uh, Martin is going to be the guy that gets that, and he he's a good player without being an outstandingly high upside guy from a fantasy basketball perspective. So he is seventy six percent owned according to Basketball Monster. So for that. He is available in some some leagues. Top 100 in the last couple of weeks uh, on the back of 14.5 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists. The defensive stats are not there, so 0.2 steals is horrible. Um, 0.7 blocks is okay, I guess. Great field goal percentage from a guy who's forward eligible. Um, poor free throw percentage. So he's just kind of average across the board, a good rebounder, a great field goal percentage guy, but nothing really exciting to me there. Um, and, and that in that time, that's been in the 31-minute night per, uh, per game role. So... That's kind of what you're expecting him to do. You know, top 100 guy for, for the rest of the season is decent. Nothing to sneeze at. Um, but Tari Eason obviously has the eye upside. I do think it's more likely, however, that um, Kenyon Martin is the guy that benefits the most. But you could see Tari Eason go from like that 18 minute a night per roll, uh, uh, minutes per night roll to 24-25, which could be enough for him to be that top 100 guy also. So again... If you wanted to, if some of those other guys, again, I still have Bones as my number one target, but KJ Martin, Tari Eason, Mark Williams, all kind of in the mix, depending on what you're looking for and what you what you need. And then Zach Collins is probably the clear guy at the end there for me in terms of those stashes. Last two players, Jared Vanderbilt. It looks like he is in a lot of trade rumors. Um, this is excellent for the continued value of Walker Kessler, who absolutely should be rostered anyway. Um, so, But Jared Vanderbilt looks like he could be traded. Again, difficult to gauge what kind of a team he would go to. I am expecting more of a contending team, some team that maybe he's like a sixth or seventh man, maybe sort of a fourth or fifth starter, but probably not going to be something that we see a huge increase on his value. On the season, he's averaging 24 minutes, and that puts him at 130 for the for the year in nine category rankings. A good rebounder, a good field goal percentage guy, and a good steals guy per minute. Um, but the minutes, I just don't see increasing enough for him to have a supremely high value. So I'm not really stashing him uh, in a lot of leagues. You know, you yeah, probably probably not worth it. And again, I don't expect a whole lot to come back. So I think that this is really good news for Walker Kessler, who again, I'll repeat, is a 100% must roster player. And then the last guy here who's crept into trade rumors recently, Carl Lowry for the Miami Heat. This could be really good news for a Bam out of bio who, when we saw Carl Lowry come over to this team, saw his assist drop. And if this is if he goes out and not another point guard doesn't come back in, which again is very distinctly possible, would be would be beneficial for a Bam. Um, I, I don't really see any stash targets here. Maybe maybe it's someone like a um, oh, I'm blanking on the names right now. Uh, let's have a look at the Miami Heat team here. Um, maybe it's someone like. Come on, Basel Monster, work with me here. Maybe it's someone like 
Oh, Gabe Vincent was the guy I was thinking of. Maybe he gets a little bit of a boost, but again, it's probably not going to be enough for him to be a must-add guy, so I wouldn't be stashing him, but he might be a guy that if there is a trade with Kyle Lowry and a point guard doesn't come back, that Gabe Vincent is a guy that you're ready to jump on really quickly and just kind of see where it goes because he has some ability to put up decent points, assists, and threes um, with Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry potentially leaving the team. Max Struess might also be a guy that gets a bit of value. Victor Oladipo. A lot of water to go under the bridge. I think Gabe Vincent is the guy that I'm most keen on in that Lowry scenario if there's no point guard coming back. But it'll probably more likely just be a boost for a lot of different guys uh, with a little bit of an increase in value with any without anyone catapulting into that must-add status. So... That's about it. I'm sure I've missed more guys that there are more rumors on, but these are the guys that I wanted to focus on today. If you have any further questions about guys in trade rumors, potential stashes, let me know down in the comments below. Make sure you give this video a big thumbs up, guys, if you are enjoying the fantasy basketball content. Uh, Hopefully, I think Callum and I are going to get on the mic together again soon and talk about some more trade deadline things and fantasy basketball fallouts. And then after the trade deadline, um, I will be doing uh, a coverage of all the biggest winners and losers, the must-add players. Make sure you guys are following along on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy because I will be tweeting out my initial thoughts immediately when trades do go down and then re- recording the podcast later. So follow me there, and I'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Recording stopped.